Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Dory. And Serena. Hi. I say the cold, harsh light of 2020, but the light of 2007 is looking pretty harsh in this fanfic. <laughs> um, yeah. It's going to be hard to, uh, to make it more cold and harsh than it is. I guess there's some humor. There's some humor in this earlier, mostly. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that when you guys brought up, when you brought up Animal Crossing mod, I was like, oh, I've played a little of that. It's cute and it's fun, you know? This should be a fun read. It was a horrifying read. So, Tori, first I have to know, like, what version did you play? Oh, I played the the old the the same one as this, like the oh. GameCube version. Oh, uh, interesting. But only a only a tiny bit. Like I never really, uh, I never really got into it. I guess. I feel like, uh, I don't know. It didn't hit it big until New Leaf. It felt like right. Uh huh. Which was the 3DS one, which is the right. one we played too. Yeah, that's where I started with the with New Leaf, and so I was interested to see. Some of the screenshots of like its predecessor was that the direct predecessor, the one that this fanfic was based off GameCube of. GameCube, probably. I, I don't know. There might have been some I mean, city-based one. I think this no, one was one on the DS, but I think it might be. The, it might be this the same one, version. Sometimes this one was they... GameCube. New Leaf was 3DS. I think there was a DS version in between there somewhere, like oh. original DS. We can find out. <laughs> oh, <we could>. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually this a lot. Of, at the so... beginning, it says. When it was released on the DS, it received such positive reviews. I tried to give, decided to give it a shot. It opens with this saying that this is a DS version, but it's quite possible that it was the same across GameCube. Animal Crossing Wild World, right, is the one that this fanfic is based off of. Yeah, and then oh, maybe that's not the one I played. Maybe I played the first one. <laughs> the first one was N sixty four, I think. N sixty four had one. No yeah. way. I think the original Dobutsu no Mori. I, I don't know. Yeah, but it in, wasn't released in the U.S. It might not have come to the U.S. I, did, I don't know. I did lots of oh, okay. games, and I was like, I would have known. <laughs> that yeah, explains no. That. Never mind. I definitely played a GameCube one. Um, it must have been that one. It's been so long. There's um, so many versions Leaf, now. Yeah, there was City Folk in 2008, and there was New Leaf in 2012. Yeah, so there was one in between Wild World and this. But yeah. Uh, well, this one's Wild World. Right. But it's and the one, Wild yeah. World City Folk New Leaf. Oh, that's the order. Yeah. Okay. Well, original Animal Crossing. Right. Then original Animal World. Crossing. Okay. But I'd say Americans as a whole have been spending a lot of time with Animal Crossing lately. Yes. Us included. Yes. Mm -hmm. New Horizons. Yeah, the new yes. one. Yes. Yeah. Been, it's I come at just the right time. I play that. But <laughs> that's you, on... Do you have a Switch? It's on the Switch. Yeah, I don't have a Switch. Mm -hmm. That's essential. But, yeah, <laughs> I know. I keep thinking about getting one, though. You know, there's so many people playing this game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, of course, it's the perfect game for being, you know, uh, quarantined. You can actually, like, walk around a digital world and meet other people. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo could have planned that better yeah. <laughs> if they'd released the coronavirus deliberately. Oh, God. Like It's like they knew. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just very fortuitous timing. Yes. Um, 
So speaking of plagues, I guess we can talk about the fanfic a little bit. Plagues? Well, it's not exactly plagues. Plagues plague. do not come up in the fanfic. I guess there's no actual plague, no. No. But yeah, Serena. Oh, I sort see. Of. I see what you mean, kind of. Okay. <laughs> you had been asking about various, like you know, genre, various topics to do a fanfic of. Yes, I wanted to be another guest on the show. And you... A guest on the show again. <laughs> another guest. Yes. On another show. <laughs> another version of one. Serena. <laughs> <laughs> Wild World Serena. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, Animal Crossing was one of the ones you threw out. And I was thinking, like, I, I don't know how much Animal Crossing fanfic there was before New Leaf, but then I remembered the terrible secret of Animal Crossing, which I had yes. read a long time ago. Yes. And it's from 2007, like late 2007. It's, you know, it's retro enough at this point that I think we can talk about it. Yeah. yeah multiple it, animals crossing ago. Yeah. We did a 2006 one in 2019, so I think it's right on our... Our, uh, our arbitrary range. time frame, yeah. Exactly. But plus, <laughs> you know, if you think about how much video games have changed, I think you can almost expand the definition of retro a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, when, when I gave you the title, The Terrible Secret of Animal Crossing, you were very excited. Yes. But maybe the secret was more terrible than you expected. Yes. <laughs> All of those things. All right. Well... Let's go into it a little bit, because this is, uh, to begin with, the format is very different from any other fanfic we've read. This was posted on the Something Awful Let's Play forums, where, you know, people will play through a game and post videos of them doing it with commentary, or sometimes without commentary, or do what's called a screenshot Let's Play, which is what this is, where they post screenshots from the game and usually commentary between the pictures. And uh, I've I've read a lot of stuff on that forum over the years, and people will often kind of add a little bit more narrative than existed in the game, especially for games where like there wasn't much story to begin with, you know, maybe like extra dialogue or you know that sort of thing. But this fanfic starts out with the gameplay and kind of reframing the narrative with their own text, and then it kind of drifts way off later on. It's yeah. It's, it's straight up into fan fiction territory. It's and then not... there's fan art at the end, like interspersed right. in yeah. as well, which I was thought was interesting. And it's like the a author gradual, like, uh, screenshots, and then all of a sudden there's a fan fan art, and then it's like all fan art. <laughs> and, I thought the, and I thought the fan art was really well done. Like, it's, it's nice. It's really good. Nice I'm thinking stuff. of looking at their digital painting tutorial because, like, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there's a piece of animation at the very end, too, which I did not remember. And it didn't actually watch this time either, because the text description of it was pretty violent, and I was traumatized enough by that point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the author put a lot of work into it, and it's definitely kind of like... I, I, you know, fan fiction falls under the category of transformative work. It's interesting seeing something that's transformative in a somewhat different way. Of like, transformative. Just like taking an original piece of media and then spinning off a new piece of art from it. Oh. But, you know. He, he means something that's like, for example, not in writing to begin with and making it into writing? Yeah, fan art, you know, fan videos, you know, yeah. like rewritten songs, you know, Weird Al style. Like sure. all of these would be kind of transformative work. And in this case, I would call it a fan fiction, but it's like drifting. It's it's not kind of the pure text fan fiction that I would Expect, right? What do you mean? I mean, because sure. it's oh, because engaging it... more directly with the source by like taking screenshots from it yeah. and that sort of thing. Most, but still, most fan fics don't do that. But it's a new narrative. It's Absolutely, like, It's like yeah. a narrative that the author has put onto these screenshots. That's, 
Yeah, that's a, it's a good point that there are screenshots involved, but I would almost say that for a visual work, it's almost as if having a screenshot is just like, in a text work, if you quoted the character's dialogue from the original source or something like that. It's like a shorthand, you're saying? Yeah, like, like they're they're essentially using the images to kind of quote dialogue and show the narrative. Because what this fanfic does that, like, it's a very specific genre, right? It's retelling the story through a different lens. Or giving a story. Well, let's get into some examples. Yeah, so there's, like we said, there's screenshots lifted. And it starts at the beginning of the game. But then there's narration from the perspective of Billy. And right off the bat... He's supposed to be an eight-year-old kid, but he doesn't talk like an eight-year-old kid. He says very... shit a lot, and he describes how he's basically, like, how fucked up the Animal Crossing world is. Good point. He does swear a lot for an eight-year-old, but you could imagine, you know, that kind of, that I think, kind of happening in school. So he's, well, like, you know, late elementary school. I'd say the tone of Billy as a character is very South Park. Uh... Like, a little bit of the humor is that he's, like, so foul-mouthed and, like, you know. It's not that foul-mouthed. And real. But, um, cynical in a lot of ways early. Well, I mean, I guess once he figures out what's going on. So anyway, it starts off with Wild World. Billy's brought to this camp, but in this context, he's like, why does everyone look like animals? And also, how weird is it, like, he gets there, then immediately he's sold a house by Tom Nook, which I feel like is one of the ways it gets off on the right foot to anyone who's played Animal Crossing, because Tom Nook is always presented as, like, slightly... Shady. Yeah, he's like a high-pressure kind of, like, businessman trying to sell you houses mostly but more and more things also mm-hmm. and, and apparently in this game you're like indentured to work at his store until you pay off this like initial debt or something and yeah. so there's a lot of room there for the author to be like uh this is kind of creepy and exploitative and also like i cannot leave and you know what the hell is going on yeah yeah he yeah. asked me and he also like has a line he asked me how i'm going to pay off the, oh that was from the cabbie though I'm going to pay off the fare in a lighthearted manner as though we hadn't already paid for camp admissions. <laughs> this should have been my first sign that something was horribly wrong. At the end of the very first part, you know, beyond like being given a, a house and, you know, being told he has like, he has to come work part time and being all like, this is super weird and creepy. He, at the end of the chapter one, he goes to the exit of the town <laughs> and there's freaking guards there. And was that a new leaf? I don't remember. I, I think they did have guards because that's like the, the, the most, you know, online gaming portion where you have to like connect to the internet and stuff. Right. Right. I guess that was, I, it's been too long since I played new leaf, but I guess it was the same. And so it, it becomes so sinister when you take these elements of the animal crossing game and like take them at like, what if I was actually experiencing this? Cause he tries to leave the area and the line, you know, lifted from a screenshot of the guard is, oh, isn't there some other business that you need to take care of, Billy? Like your part-time job, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. And the commentary is funny because they know his name, right? So he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he selects the dialogue option, I want to go out. And the caption is, I beg one to open the gates, but he stares blankly through my face. And his reply sends a shiver down my spine that's punctuated by my own name. How the uh-huh. hell does this asshole know my name? Holy fuck. Uh-huh. It suddenly penetrates my eight-year-old brain like a brick through a convenience store window. They're all in on it. Uh-huh. So it's like drawing this huge conspiracy where he's trapped. Yes. And the real pleasure of the first half of the fanfic is that kind of interaction between the actual gameplay and kind of the like freaked out, you know, captured the prisoner narrative that's going on in like the greater fanfic. 
It is so, super. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was I was going to talk about the letter that he writes home to his mom. Yeah, I thought that was great because like he you know writes some letters on some stationery. Like the first one is like, dear mom, this is not a real camp. I am being forced into labor. Send the police ASAP. Please mail me some food from Billy. And, and that's that's part of the gameplay because in the game you can, you can write a letter and you can write anything you yeah. want in the letter. Right, but then it says, I d like to my surprise, a letter was waiting in my mailbox that evening from my mom the very same day. And he's like, this can't be right. And it says, dear Billy, summer is over and it's getting chilly. I slipped on some wet leaves today. It was unfortunate. Guess falls here. Love, mom. <laughs> he's like, what's this? <laughs> like this is, and then he, he's like, my mom never got my letter and she never will. She didn't write this shit. <laughs> so like, you know, yeah, it's definitely like, um, oh my gosh, almost like, uh, what is that? That movie, that old like Jim Carrey movie or something where he's like, um, like Truman Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. almost yeah. like that where it's like, he realizes that like, everybody is in on it and like everybody is just making up stuff around him and he's like what am i doing here and so yeah, yeah you can kind of like yeah <laughs> it sets up a, a really good was, like emotional story <laughs> yeah I was, I was gonna say that's kind of the the pleasure of it is like that you can imagine if you were playing this game you know as an adult or a teenager kind of looking at through that lens and like being like this is really weird, you know, in reality. And then kind of, I feel like all of us have kind of done that at some point, like looked at video games and been like, what if this was real? This is actually kind of messed up. And then also maybe as teenagers tried to play the game that way as if it, we were telling this, our own story here. Right. And then I obviously the author did that because they wrote these letters in the game in order to take screenshots of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, there is that kind of, that extra play element where you're kind of playing your own game with the game mm -hmm. that's not the game that the game is intending you to play. Mm -hmm. so, but it's true that like it is kind of weird to think about like you're the only human on the island. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is animals and not only that but like animals that walk on two legs then that can talk and so it's yeah got to figure out what's going on with that. You're just yeah, supposed to first... accept this he thinks it's just costumes, but that's actually kind of where the fanfic goes is that it's more than that. Yes. So what he does, yeah, he's sending letters to his mom. And then from there, uh, what happens right after that? Does he talk to Penny or does he start? No, he that comes a little the, bit later. The so, next thing in the plot. So first of all, it's just like, you know, kind of like lightly making fun of some of the animal crossing elements, like, why are there dinosaur fossils in the ground every day? And every day, and why does it look like they're just recently buried? Like, why is there a crack here? You know, and why do new ones keep appearing in places that where they weren't there the day before? And so they like address some of that with like some of the in in story world building, right? Or even or even just like the fact that like you know you don't actually eat any food in this game. I mean, you can obviously consume the fruit, but you don't. There's no like health bar or like hunger bar and so like there's a whole thing where he like catches fish and keeps them in his in his um house so he can have some food because he's trying to plan an escape yeah yeah oh and then the other main thing that it gets into before we learn more dark secrets is the gyroids right that's the next yeah, big plot point. i was gonna say yeah while he's digging stuff up he digs up a gyroid right which are admittedly really bizarre yes and what are those called in Japanese? Like Haniwa? Is that oh, right? Oh, I don't know. They're like big dogu. They're based on some kind of like. I, I don't. You, I don't remember. You told you told me about this a long time ago. I mean, I'm the one who took a like ancient Japanese archaeology class a long time ago, but. 
Uh, well, while you look that up, you know, I talked about too that, like in the the newest one in you know New Horizons, there are no gyroids. Like they've gotten rid of them essentially. Which, like, we were, we were talking about maybe that because they were just kind of unsettling, and I think a lot of people found them incredibly unsettling. I think you did um, back in New Leaf. You were sure. Like, what are these things? I mean, I barely kept them, you know, and like when when Billy, the protagonist, first meets them, he says an unexplainable emotion tore through my battered brain, like an unholy mixtured mixture of unbridled terror and insatiable curiosity. It, blah, 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 blah. I like, I had to find more of these. I had to understand what they were. I wouldn't be showing this one to the owl because like, he's not going to donate it to the museum. Obviously you can't, but, um, oh, and it also says like when it snapped open its rust heavy eyes and stared into my soul. A metallic word pushed itself into my head where it echoed like a tin can kicked against the wall of an abandoned warehouse. Gyroid. I don't know. It's just like, essentially you're saying that like these things are going to make him go insane. And like that, that kind of actually hints. I, I, I thought that this was just another one of those gameplay elements where they're just kind of making fun of the actual gameplay elements, but it does become relevant in the story later it's, on. It's key to the plot. Yeah. Really. yeah. That, that actually is kind of cool because it does seem like at first the fanfic is literally just making fun of the game, right? Like mm -hmm, everyone found the right. gyroids creepy. So right. of course he starts collecting them in his home and they start influencing his mind in right. some sort of Lovecraftian way. But right. then it, it, everything comes together at the end. Yes. And the next main plot point is what you were about to say, Tori, with the the, the letters, which is pretty uh -huh. really yes. funny also. The author takes the existence of these like random presents that fly over the camp on balloons in every Animal Crossing game for no reason uh -huh. and turns it into a kind of like throwing a message in a bottle sort of method of communication from uh -huh. somebody like outside of the town desperately trying to communicate with somebody else. Yes. Yes. So like, yeah, the hey. first balloon he sees, he shoots down. I, I was telling him that I loved it how like when he shoots it down, like, let me see if I can find the line. Um, I don't know if I can find it. That might have been a different occasion. That was, it, was that a different occasion? Lamp, yeah. We're like, we're like, hear a tinkle of glass as it hits the ground, and it, and like he opens it as a broken lamp, and like that was like I thought great because obviously there's sometimes furniture in these things, and it's like yeah, if it was actually a lamp, how could it survive falling from the sky, mm -hmm, crashing right. to the ground, and still be an intact lamp? So I just thought that <laughs> yeah. was like a cute detail that it was broken inside. That was funny too because it becomes relevant again later. Yeah. Right. So. There's, yeah, this whole thing where he's starting to get suspicious because what's the point of putting furniture that's going to break right. into these balloons? And, right. you know, there is no point that's actually, you know, to hide something else. Right. Such as these letters from Penny, who yes. is, as far as we know, another girl trapped on another camp. Right. Um, Which is also hilarious because, of course... Sort of in Hunger Games esque, yeah, not, not Hunger Games, the other one, Maze um, Runner, Maze Runner esque, kind of where they're like trapped in this, but they were all together, I guess. Well, oh, I, I was going together. to say that in any Animal Crossing game, there's any number of instances of an identical yes. place with the same villagers. It's like yes. Tom Nook is on any number of islands, yeah, and he's uh -huh. supposed to accept this, right? Like if you go to visit other and there's these super high like walls on the sides, and you know, the and obviously those guard dogs we talked about got like guarding some door, big door leads to somewhere, so you can. <laughs> Oh, right. So you just have to accept that there's a bunch of these kind of identical compounds. Yes. But the the story, of course, runs with it. Where yes, they figure out they're on some kind of island with a whole bunch of identical compounds. Yes. Like, you know, side by yeah. side. What Billy does is he collects fabric and thread, which you can do in the game, like embroidery. Yeah. Um, 
and he starts stitching. Yeah, he starts stitching together a map, and then as he goes on, he's like, "Oh, there's a wall here and a wall here, and this Uh is where Penny is. This is where I am." And you can see the screenshots of the map slowly being built, and it's great. And then he's like, "Holy fuck, we're on an island, (laughs) and it's all walls all the way around." Yes. And then there's and a big Tom question Nick, mark like, in the middle. Like, so what's in the middle? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yes. And so that's... Um, oh, yeah, go on. <laughs> that, these are the main plot developments. And yes. I think we should just walk through all of them, uh, one after another. Uh, in communication with this other kid in an identical place named Penny, he figures out they're kind of on an island with a bunch of compounds, like, walled off from each other with guards. And... After that, it sort of starts building, I feel like, more towards the end, because he starts kind of planning a confrontation with Nook, right? He, he tries to stake out yes. Nook's house. Oh, yes, yes. No, no, no not house. his shop, which I thought was also brilliant, because um, he, was, he decides to wait for Nook to exit his shop when it closes up for the night, right? He, he hides around the corner. And he waits and he waits and he waits and Nook never comes out. So then he goes to the front of the shop and it's closed. And he's like, what? And <laughs> so like... And this is just 100% gameplay. Yes. He never leaves his shop. Yeah. Yes, you never exactly. see him exit. He doesn't have a home outside of it. Yes, which I thought, yes. <laughs> and and so the, I don't know if he, he theorizes or eventually finds, but there's actually like a secret tunnel in the shop. Right. It's it's Penny that tells him, I think, in a letter that Nook is traveling between tunnels between these villages. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, And then and then of course the other like thing that they have to to address is like, well, if he's traveling between all these different places, why is he like always at how can he be at both at all these places at the same time? And they eventually say that it's like the new ones, like Nook sort of stays with the new ones a little bit longer. And so he's just like, you know, not at these other camps anymore. And then like eventually he'll stop spending so much time at Billy's camp. Mm-hmm. But then also it comes up later that like Billy's like, you know, tough nut to crack kind of thing. So he's ended up staying longer at Billy's camp than he normally would at other, at other people's camps. Um, right. And um, something that happens right before that becomes relevant later, he meets with, he gets the first letter from Penny, is that he meets KK, um, the guitar playing dog, and he says something about him being like the only, I don't know, the only honest one on the island or something like that, that he just plays, he realizes that he comes there every night to play a song just for him. Because oh, he's yeah. the only one in the audience, right? In the game. Right. And then he's always got this look of sadness. And so Billy says, oh, he's just he just does it to comfort me. Yeah. It's kind of sweet. And it's cute also because since KK is only there occasionally in the game, that means that in the context of this story, KK is, in fact, going around to all of the mm-hmm. different, you know, compound areas mm-hmm. to play music. And that's why he only drops in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And he only plays for the poor abandoned children. Right. Or kidnapped children, I guess. <laughs> yes. So from about part eight out of 12, Heart of Darkness, I feel like it's just one kind of info dump after another to yes. a large extent. And I don't know if we need to go over the revelations one by one exactly as they come. But we kind of learn in fairly short order what the deal is. First through some like documents that Penny delivers. Yeah, first like she sends some letters. He's saying, like, you're not going to believe what happened. And then she goes on to explain that she broke into Nook's house, retrieved some papers, right? And then she starts But well, then she was found, and so she sent, the, so sent off like, the documents the quick before she could read Right, them. she sent them directly to Billy, right? Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and then Billy starts reading them. Yeah, it's a pretty short order. It's like it's pages from Tom's journal. It's just going like, construction is slow. It's been raining every day for a week now. The workers dug up more of those freaky statues. They might be valuable. I'm keeping them in my office. A fight broke out today. One worker was badly injured. I think they were fighting over the statues. Like, weird things are happening lately. KK thinks the island is cursed, and we should cut our losses. Mm-hmm. And he keeps going on. He goes, like, I had to lock up KK. He threatened to call the police. He wants to take my property. He's jealous. Yeah, because, like, KK was, like, different. partner, yeah. I think. Right. right? Like, it was, like, KK and this real estate partner. development nice. thing. And at first, at first, Billy's like, how, how, it's kind of weird. There was, like, this real estate mogul who's some weird-looking raccoon man. But he discover, he figures out, you know, in the middle of this, this chapter eight and the big info dump, what exactly was going on with the gyroids, which is that they are not, uh, I mean, they're, they're like a corrupting influence. Yeah. That right. like, actually like Tom Nook was a man. Mm-hmm. Right. And they show, they show a picture of him, which is like really adorable. Like a little, human <laughs> a little like human version of Tom Nook. Right. This is where the, the fan art starts. We get one screenshot and yes. the rest is very well done fan art that mimics kind of the, um, you know, like polygonal style and bright yes. colors of the game. Yes. So it blends very nicely. Yeah, they're painted, aren't they? Or they look painted. So they kind they're of... They're digitally painted. Okay. So yeah, it, it kind of fits well. It doesn't look just like the screenshots, of course, but it feels kind of on a similar, you know, tone and palette and kind of like they fit in fairly well. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, basically the gyroids are like weird, evil, corrupting things that turn people into human-animal mm-hmm. hybrids. And it's really neat that then he flashes back to something we did not see, but an early conversation with Nook, where mm-hmm. Nook asks, so what's your, oh, I completely forgotten to mention a very important thing I must ask of you. What's your favorite animal? Billy, I want to give your life some meaning. Hmm? That's why I ask. <laughs> Yeah. And then, like a couple sentences later, he's like, no, "Called it Animal Crossing." <laughs> I thought that that was brilliant. <laughs> I, it's, it's good. Again, it comes calling back to the parts of the game where, like, if you played it, you know, as as an adult or teenager, you would have been like, "That's creepy." What he mm-hmm. said just there was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of creepy, I, I'm I'm going back way earlier in the fanfic, but I really laughed at the the part where, um. You know, an axe shows up in this in the shop, and Billy's like, "How how are how is he giving me a like a deadly edge weapon here?" And but you know, he buys it. He's he just that confident that like I'm not gonna you know start any shit because of like you know the position I'm in here with like the guards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he buys the axe, and the in-game screenshot comment of Nook is, "Oh, just make sure that you keep restrict yourself to chopping down trees." Hmm. <laughs> and then you know the Billy the Billy internal monologue comment is like, "One of these days, Nook." Yeah. I Just totally recontextualizing smart. that comment as like being kind of a taunt. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, once you get this premise, you start to look at the screenshots and just get your own inference that they're taunting or creepy or sarcastic mm-hmm. because Billy's given you the frame. Mm-hmm. But I like that the author went as far as to address the axe. Like if somebody went in and went like, wait, why doesn't he use the axe to take everybody out at this point? Um, you can be like, no, yeah, here's what happened. Mm-hmm. From that point on, um, there's, I'd say a lot of things start happening. Do we even want to go over like the whole ending bit by bit? Because I feel like it's just kind of like dramatic revelation one after another kind of from then on that we could just leave, you know, mysterious and only speak of generalities. If anyone wants to read, I feel like that's kind of where a lot of the plotting comes in. Yeah. 
Tori, what do you think? Hmm. Well, um, I think we can kind of move, maybe just move to, well, I don't know, it's so well paced as it kind of like speeds up. Like, you almost don't feel like it's too much of an info dump. Part of that is it's punctuated by pictures. Uh-huh. But we could kind of just describe, you know, uh, the lead up in the revelation, I guess. Which revelation? There's like several. Well, it kind of, like, I mean, like the big picture, maybe. All right, go for it, Tori. Um, yeah, so you're right. There's a lot of things that happen. But basically, like, Billy's come to this idea that, you know, Tom Nook is this mastermind who's trying to control uh, all these kids and turn them into animals and then also eat them. I don't remember why he thinks he's going to eat them, but it has something to do with him saying in a letter, my favorite is rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and then I, uh, his door is busted down. Um, he's worried about Penny because he's like, what did they do to her? They took her. Um, his door is busted down. Wait, whose door? Penny? Billy's is, and Billy. He, he describes he's kind of like a mob of, of the, the villagers sort of overwhelm him, and he like loses consciousness. Oh, loses- right! It shows some villagers coming into his house. It shows it's a, it's a mm-hmm. completely innocent screenshot of some villagers coming into his house, which has his like fish that he's storing his rations in tanks, yeah. and his and his like creepy gyroids. But it's just like a couple, like a mouse and some other animal walking in. Yeah. And then, of course, the caption, like, the, the text from the writer is, Mutant animal freaks swarmed in, their clawed hands scoring my skin as they dragged me screaming from my house into the darkness of night. Yeah. And then he wakes up missing an eye. Which, of course, yes. is the eye patch from the game. Yeah, you can wear, like, an eye yes. patch. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a nice kind of, touch. It's kind of an iconic one. Like, people, you know, they... The eye patch is kind of iconic, I think, for the Animal Crossing aesthetic, I guess. Uh-huh. So I like that they used it. Um, but yeah, he's missing an eye, and uh, gosh, in short order, he realizes he hears from Penny that they they took her tongue and her arm because uh. she she screamed and. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind very of gruesome, but she sends yeah. one anyway, last package. To, it's yeah. the beginning of gruesomeness. Yes. Yeah, one <laughs> last package. And then I guess I should say that, like, um, at the very end of this part, when he gets that package, you know, he says, in my head, I shriek, don't open it, don't open it. And so this is actually where it kind of diverges. It goes along one path, but then there's an alternate ending where, at this point, he does not open the package. And you could loosely right. describe them as a good ending and a bad ending, even though the good ending is uh, like, even more nope. gruesome. No, I think, you don't think so? Well, I suppose you could... I, well... <laughs> there's well, a lot of gore in the good ending. I know, but it's the one where <laughs> Billy escapes the island. Yes, there's the one where Billy escapes, and there's the one where he does not, and he succumbs. Yeah. But, yes... I don't know which yeah. is better to have lived through. <laughs> what so. I do like is that it, it echoes actual video games. Like I would say, mm, I, I, I've, I've, played, I've played a lot of games with like an alternate ending where it's like, do you want to do this thing? And mm-hmm. if you don't, then you just kind of skip the end of the game. Uh, and like you get kind of a less complete ending. Yes. Right, and if you right. do, then like you can go and get the complete ending. I yes. guess that's more what it feels like. It feels like the like cut short ending and the complete. Yes. Like the, 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 like, 
the full ending. Yes. Which is neat in a formal sense, because if you imagine this being like a video game walkthrough, right. what they do is they first take you through the longer ending, and then the last chapter is alternate Oh, if we had done this, would... this is what the, this is the alternate ending we would have uh-huh, gotten. Uh-huh. Right. Which, which, which people would do in uh-huh. a Let's Play like this uh-huh, uh-huh. all the time. Yeah, they tell you to take the, you know, the the better path where you get the complete ending and then they tell you what would happen if you didn't, right? Right. So I like that. It's just, yeah, this is where it does get really gory and I don't know if we have to go super into detail. But I don't think we need to. I, I would say we can just say there's like other revelations and there's gore and like, it, you know, it comes to an ending and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because I feel like listeners, if you haven't read it, have gotten kind of the feel of how this progresses yes. in a general sense. Yes, how it starts like lighthearted and like confused and then gets like darker and darker. Right. And I didn't Uh, actually remember how dark it got either because it starts off being kind of like cute horror because it's like with this cutesy game aesthetic. Yes. And then it turns into just straight out, this is a horror story. Like, yes. mm -hmm. With gore. With gore. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I will say that what I liked about that particular scene with the box is he's worried it's going to be something really gruesome in the box. Yes. There's, it's a callback to the lamp is what it ends up being. It's a lava lamp. But mm-hmm. inside the lava lamp is a key, and he's it's where the broken furniture or whatever uh, accessories comes full circle, because he's like, why would someone actually do this? Oh, right. they're hiding something. Right, so he gets right. a key, then he gets to confront Tom Nook, but it ends up that Tom Nook is actually not the ringleader of everything. Mm-hmm. He's also a victim. <laughs> he becomes a more sympathetic yeah. character, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Or not, because he's a complete accomplice. (laughs) Right. Well, it seems like he wanted to do all this stuff to help his wife, who had cancer. But then she transformed and basically turned into an awful person. And she's the ringleader, and she's actually Penny. Which is just a random villager in the game. Right. Yeah, I, I, I feel I feel anybody who reads this and then actually has Penny in their town will forever be horrified by Penny and yeah, will if, need to kick her out yeah, instantly. We're not going to let Penny in. <laughs> we'll never it let is, Penny in. It's super gruesome. Um, I guess we don't need to say much more about that, except that Tom Nook was the one who sent the letters in Penny's name, trying yeah. to essentially help Billy. Yeah. And, you know, th- there's a lot of justification for a lot of those sorts of earlier things. I'd like to say in the, like, kind of very, very final ending... He is rescued, and it's very Lord of the Flies, I thought. And I think that's intentional because uh-huh. the author mentions Lord of the Flies earlier. Mean Lord of Literally, the Flies. yeah. At the very end of Lord of the Flies, like at the very climactic moment, yeah. that's when completely independently of everything that's been going on on the island, yeah. like civilization, like the adults come, to, like a, a ship, you know, finds pulls them. in, finds them. Mm. And that's kind of similar here, where it's like. Yeah, here, a random helicopter flies random, over with, right, with a Japanese flag on the side. Right. Yeah, they, they, they mentioned it specifically, like, Japan. Well, it had a flag, but yes. They, I think they also mentioned that Billy is Japanese, even though his name Did is they? Billy. <laughs> I didn't catch that And it's the Japanese They're military so... that takes care of the, oh, is it? the statues at the end. Oh, oh, but yeah, then they, then they have, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you can find out what happens to the statues if you read it. It's very spoiler bait. I mean, like, not that the author <laughs> would have done a, a sequel, no, not spoiler bait, sequel bait. Uh, oh. Not the other would have done a sequel, but it's ending it like a it horror movie good. might end with it's yes. like the story is over. Uh-huh. Or is, is it? it? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. And 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 I would say too that like even though we revealed the majority of what's going on here, I think it's still really cute to like see the you know the screenshots and that they used to like justify 
you know, the story. And also, like, the fan art is just, like, super adorable. Like, yeah, whoever – I mean, I guess it's the same person, right? Who yeah, wrote same this person. And, oh, the author, by the way, is Chewbot. C-H-E-W-B-O-T. I did not mention that. It's really skilled fan art, so – It is, yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, they, they even do an animation sequence at the end, which – None of us watched probably because we were all just kind of horrified. Yes. Yes. But it is impressive that they did it. And I might go back and watch it when I'm not reading this in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's surprising. I'd say the amount of dedication of the author becomes kind of surprising as you go along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when Amato first was like, pitching this to me, he was like, oh, it starts out with a lot of screenshots and towards the end, there's not as many screenshots. So I just figured like, okay, that makes sense. Cause like you have some screenshots to work with and then you kind of take the story in another direction. I wasn't expecting there to be, it to be supplemented by all this extra art. Yeah. It, it's, I, I was paying a lot of attention. Like there are a couple really good screenshots that have the foreground, like they're trying to focus on the background. So they blurred out the foreground character or the foreground image and I was like, how did you do that? Did you do that all freehand? Did you, like, apply blur to it? Like, I was looking at all this fan art, like, how? Because mm. it's actually all very s- simple strokes, and you can see the highlights very easily, which is what lends to the feel, it, feel of it being kind of like, you know, a, a low-polygon video game. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. All their shading is just on point. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else we want to talk about from kind of the main story itself before we get to our closing comments? I think I pointed out all the like little bits that I especially, that especially like Mm -hmm. were pleasing to me as I read it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Well, then what did we not like about this story? Which is an interesting question because like there's things I did not enjoy reading about this story, but like as a, as a piece, what do we want to complain about? The gore. The gore. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of gore. I mean, that's just like, I'm squeamish in general, right? And I can't watch like actual gory horror movies. I have like panic attacks and like not mm-hmm. fun. Um, yeah. So like I, I, I appreciated like the premise of like it being like these kids locked up, but I would have preferred it be more like Maze Runner-esque where like, you know, they find some ways to escape or, you know, they like, you know, work fine. Like it, it had actually been. Because it turns out, right, because we find, we find that those letters are were sent by Tom Nook and not by an actual penny next door. It would have been nice, like, they could have taken it where, like, it was an actual actual other kid's next door and they all kind of collaborate together against this mastermind person. So, like, it could have been more psychological horror. Yeah, I know. You, you know, mean, instead of bloody horror. It's doing really well being non-bloody horror up until the point right. where it decides it wants to be bloody horror. Right. And there's kind of an abrupt right. shift here, honestly. Right. Like, um. The, right. the horror being about the mystery and the situation right. and the trap and like the unknown forces conspiring against you is really, really effective, I'd say, up until yes. up to part. And I understand that it's like, you know, a choice in a genre. Like, you know, bloody horror movies like have their audiences and people like them. But like I, you know, did not feel good reading the end of the story. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I'm in the same vein as you, Serena, but it was actually, you know, it was funny. It was like at the beginning, I thought they were just kind of being a little, like, edgy, you know? And I was like, this is, like, a little too edgy to have the kids swearing all the time. But, like, his tone of voice was just like, oh, these bastards. But as it built up, and the conspiracy built up, I thought that was really effective. It's just, at the very end, I think if you like gore and you wanted to see something, like, really horrifying, you probably might like that. But in my mind, I mean, not only do I, I not, not, not only is it kind of, like, awful for me to read you know i'm that same way 
but like in a very objective way, I feel like it was a little bit sloppy. It was like, let's just make this like super, and that's why we're not really talking about it in detail. It was like, <laughs> let's just making this gut-wrenchingly horrifying. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just comes to an end where the helicopter comes. And I mean, maybe you know, that is also for contrast, right? If it's supposed to be this happy, cheery children's game and then like, you know, I don't know, to, to make it, you know, be as extreme as possible. The author went in that direction. Yeah, right? but that's yeah. why I say it's kind of edgy and I don't yeah. like it. Like, I don't like that. Like, that is, an ex- is not an excuse to me. It's like, you, you need to do something for a reason other than to be like children's mm. media, but make it gory because it's children's media, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I see what you mean, Tori. It's like shock horror is a lot easier than kind mm. of like suspense Thank horror. Mm-hmm. That is the correct word, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so I, I enjoyed the suspense written, horror more and I didn't like the shock <laughs> horror as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm uh, just not a fan of doing things for shock's sake. But that being said, those parts were really well written and very effective. Um, well, speaking of being really, really well written, let's talk about what we want to praise about the fanfic. And we've gotten a couple of those. I'd like to say in general, the writing is pretty deft. Like, he there's some good turns of phrase. It it keeps the good tone going. Mm-hmm. It flows really well. Yeah. Like you don't get caught yeah. on sentences or anything. It's just, it's pretty like smooth narration and yeah, natural seeming. Yeah. And I think they make this really effective transition actually from, I mean, I know it, it the tone changes a lot, but I feel like because the fan art picks up slowly and kind of leads you through, it makes an effective transition from like, commentary on the game to sort of becoming its own narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that comes to mind for me too, is just like, what's that one game we played? Nine, 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 you know, or like the, 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 the sequel. Virtue's <laughs> last reward. Yeah. Um, where like, you know, there get to be parts where like there's big sort of info dumps. And I feel like for that big info dump, like of, of like, you know, Nook being a man and stuff like that all like felt very much like it, it would have been in a video game, like revealing it in this way and this uh-huh. way and showing this picture in this picture. Like I can sort of see it playing out in video game format. So I feel like it also like felt like a video game to me, even when it veered away from the actual screenshots, like it felt like where that kind of like horror video game would go and how it would be like narrated and gone, like gone through. Yeah. But it's not overdone either. Like it never feels like, they're trying to insert gameplay mechanics to the dramatic, like last right. part of the story or anything like that. But right. just sort of structurally, you're right in terms of that kind of info dump in terms of the alternate endings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's a neat way of kind of keeping it a more cohesive whole than it might otherwise have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what works very well too, like beyond just the transition, I'm going to focus on the images a lot, but I think they're a really important formal element is that they, what works well is how they, took the screenshots like they took the right number and the right moments you know like they picked and chose what they used very effectively (laughs) so i guess what we're saying is that we'd recommend it but if you like hate horror movies like i guess none of us are big fans i guess i would say if you're if you're scared off by gore like i am at the point that when she finds that package and he's like, should I open it? Should I not open it? Maybe just skip to the alternate ending. <laughs> Read that mm. one. It's still horrifying, but not gory. That's true. And then you can get that ending. <laughs> <laughs> or just be warned that if you go through the main ending, that it will be gory. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You could do it that way. Yeah. And that is a complete story. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I will say that um, as much as I'm put off by 
gore, it it it's not as extreme as like Jinji Ito level of body horror. So if you can make it through something like I that, don't know who you that can is. Make it through this, the manga uh, horror artist. Like, okay. did you read yeah. what was Uzumaki? It's this, that spiral one or anything? Well, you probably haven't read much horror body horror manga. Huh? No, he's pretty <laughs> famous. <laughs> The coolest, thing about, yeah. the coolest thing about Junji Ito is that he has a very distinct personal style okay. of like horror and like, you know, like his facial expressions of horror and yes. kind of like tonal things are talented. extremely recognizable. He once wrote a autobiographical manga about himself and his cats in exactly, the, in exactly <laughs> the same visual style. And it's not horrifying at all in terms of story, but he uses yeah. his exact like same style and it's great. That reminds me oh, of... Oh, man, it's good. Yeah, yeah, that the style crossover is great. That reminds me of that... What, what's that manga we read, too, that, like, about the, the you know, the story of the, like, you know, the guy... It was, like, a, like twins, and, like, one of them dies, and yet but the other one had a gay lover from from Canada. Oh, um, and that, yeah, that's... And that, my like... My brother's... It's just called My Brother's husband yeah maybe my brother's husband where it's yeah, like it's he's really like good. he's like normally like a pornographic kind of like artist, adult, yeah. Oh, yeah. artist but and so he brings those elements into the characters no, even though there's no like sex scenes or anything yeah but you see like that's, the bulging um, muscles and stuff that's right what's his name he he's famous for drawing gay bear art yeah oh yeah, my yeah, God, yeah i forget his name he's one of my favorite artists yes yes i mean i really um, liked my I, brother's husband i really like that manga a lot yeah, yeah. like the details so it's like a similar thing where it's like you appreciate all those little details that like normally someone wouldn't be spending that much time on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just because that's like their their craft, that's their craft, right? That's what they enjoy doing and that's what they're skilled at doing, yeah. <laughs> oh, Gangoro Tagame. Tagame. I, I, my friend has a t-shirt of like two men hugging each other that's like a full pattern t-shirt. It's, uh, I always wanted to get a shirt that he made. I think it would have to be a full pattern t-shirt to fit two of his characters on the same shirt. Yeah. Well, also my friend is <laughs> like wears wide. an extra large. <laughs> so I don't think they make them in my size. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's a relatively short discussion, but it's also a short fanfic. Yes. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. read it really quickly and I read kind of slow to begin with. So I didn't actually do the word count, which I usually do. It's just not very long. No. Um, you could, you could definitely knock it out in an hour if you were, like, sitting down and, like, not, and kind of skimming slightly or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah, I would recommend taking breaks, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, several sittings. Which is nice because yeah. it's broken up into, like, the 13 chapters or whatever, so you can just do a couple at a time, and it saves your place, which is nicer than, like, scrolling through a PDF or, well, a PDF program saves your, but if you're on your phone, you didn't save the spot on the internet or whatever, like, it's nice to have it, like, those breaks mm -hmm. already yeah. for you there yes <laughs> i was about to close out here but i just realized i should probably ask if you were to turn into an animal crossing oh, style you know half animal half human what don't animal ask would you choose? me that now don't, don't ask, ask me that now <laughs> i mean i was just thinking like as a kid i would always answer like rabbits are my favorite but i don't really want those big animal crossing animal ears like they're so tall they look kind of inconvenient honestly you know, I mean, this is like a whole separate discussion, right? If yeah, I like guess it which is. character, because it's like because you know they have different body types. Like some of them are a lot bigger, some are a lot smaller, some mm -hmm. have extra limbs, like the octopi. That's like true. you know, some have like you know, I don't know. They're just you know, some of them look more like animals. Oh, we talked You're about right. some more like animals, animals some, some of them more like, like people. Things or like you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of variation there. 
I think we'd have to like I, sit down and like ponder that one <laughs> for some time. I would just be the guitar playing dog. I, I think that's <laughs> obvious. That's fair. <laughs> Next Animal Crossing fanfic I find, I'm going to want a Muppets Animal Crossing crossover what? with KK and Rolf. Oh, so they can like jam together? Yeah. They can be a band. <laughs> we got to draw in like weird humanoid animal like things from all different media to form a band. Just dogs. They need to get their theme going. Just dogs. Yeah. What other? <laughs> no, but 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 That's Rolf already has like a band. He doesn't actually play with Electric Mayhem. He's, he doesn't. Yeah, he's an independent. Oh, is he really? Well, maybe he does sometimes. Like with animal huh. stuff. Uh no, yeah, animals part of Electric Mayhem, but they. Uh, but Rolf is not like a member of that group. He's just the piano player of like independent piano player. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna find more more dog musicians. Dog, <laughs> are you gonna do some sort of crossover amongst multiple <laughs> multiple works? I think we can get it going, but that's a project so. for another time. I think. <laughs> I think we're gonna close this out. This was episode 97 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective as we draw ever closer to episode 100. Ooh. This I was know, right? the terrible secret of Animal Crossing by Chubot published in late 2007, and now archived on the LP archive. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfranimal. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can also request that KK play one of those when he drops by. You just have to type it in completely correctly. Yeah. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic or Facebook at retrofanfic or Instagram at retrofanfic or Reddit at fanficretrospective. I'm very sorry. You can also send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com or leave comments or reviews on whatever podcast service you use. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. And I'm Serena. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Don't go to any island summer camps like <laughs> animal hybrid movements. Also, don't go to any summer camps because of coronavirus. Good point. <laughs> I guess all the children will be safe this time. That's cute. You should put that as like, put that in there. The dog okay. always has like that little. Thing I heard. A, I heard a podcast host call it a button. A button? I've never heard that term. Me but either. I don't know anything They're about like, podcasting. Like I have a button. You listen to the end of the credits and you have a button. Like, what? <laughs> oh, that's cute. Like closing it up at the end. Is that what that means? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. That terminology is confusing. Oh, I was thinking of like a button on a shirt. Like, oh yeah. You, like, I mean, that makes sense. Close it up. Yeah, that. Or like your pants. <laughs> makes sense. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's the only thing that made sense to me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's Tom's job anyway. Okay. <laughs>